The following podcast contains explicit language. <laughs> ring, phone, ring! Ring, motherfucker! Who's calling us now? Wait a minute, we forgot to be specific. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, as you may have gathered from our opening clip, we have huge news. Huge, exciting news, which we will share momentarily. And we also have a listener question about remakes. And a Hollywood hack, and a probably was we think we're almost sure celebrity sighting. But first, should we share our huge news? Yes. Our pilot got picked up. Yay. Yay. (laughs) One of our pilots. Yes. As is almost always the case, the one we suspected wasn't going to go didn't. No. But the pilot we've been working on with Marsha Clark did, and we could not be happier. We are elated. Like, just beyond elated. Walking on air. Yeah, and also super stressed. Of course. (laughs) Because you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait to get word of the pickup, and then the network calls, and you're like super happy for about 10 minutes and then you take a deep breath and it's like going from zero to 90 in five seconds. Yeah, you're instantly talking about who you should make offers to first, who you're going to hire before you do anything else. It's crazy. I mean, I think we had an offer out or we tried to that night. Yeah. It's just we got the pickup at 3 p.m. And instead of like celebrating, we were immediately (laughs) making like a million phone calls. Yes. Um, And yeah, we say it's a feeding frenzy. I mean, that's really what the whole process is. Um, And we are deep in the crazy at this point. So we pulled out our super secret pilot making list of Mm. lessons learned, and we are going to share it with you in our segment from the treadmill desks of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And today that is, of course, making a pilot. Specifically the lessons we've learned on the many pilots we've made over the years. Yeah. Sarah, you've been keeping a list since our first pilot, Women's Murder Club, in 2007. Yes. When we were going through that pilot-making process, it was our first pilot, and we just thought, let's keep track of the lessons we're learning because they were hard-won lessons. They came at great peril and misery, some of them. So we wanted to just remember the mistakes we made and the things we learned along the way. Yeah, and a lot of them apply not just to pilot-making, but to any endeavor. Yes. You know, some of them are very specific to pilot-making, like, and these are in order of our discovery of them. Right. And some are big and some are small, but, like, the first one is very pilot. Very pilot, yeah. Which is never test more than three roles at a time. We should explain what testing is. Okay, so when you are casting a pilot... You can't just say, we want to cast this person. Usually, like you can, there are people who the network and studio will approve to just make straight offers to, and that's wonderful. But usually, you have to bring in several people for first the studio and then the network to see their auditions and react to. And what we have learned is that if you take in 
more than three rolls, it's just really overwhelming. Yeah, it's like there's a fatigue sets in and people just sort of start not liking people just because it feels like we've been there forever and talked about too much. Yeah. So it's just better to keep it at three. I mean, two is even better. Yeah, because for each role, you're bringing in at least two people, so two to four. So it just it gets to be too much. Another lesson learned? Never tell your agent what you really think. I know. I hope Matt's not listening to this. I know. I'm sure he's not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. When you're talking to your agent, you're never just talking to your agent. Yeah. There's usually an assistant on the phone. So you're really telling, you know, the whole agency in a sense. Yes. And a lot of times if emotions are running high, you don't want to just spill out those emotions and then possibly have them get around because... Five minutes later, you might feel fine or you may be overreacting. You just, when you're doing a pilot, you want to seem like you're in control and on top of things, even if you don't feel that way. (laughs) And you don't want to share your neuroses with an agent who could inadvertently let other people know you're feeling neurotic and word could get around. Exactly. And then this was, I mean, on our first pilot, the most important thing we learned, hire an assistant first. Everything else comes second. So if there's anyone out there doing their first pilot, Mm. if there's someone who thinks they're going to do a pilot next year, just please listen to these words. If you don't have an assistant already, the first thing you have to do is hire an assistant before anything else. Yeah, and get someone ideally who's done it before or who's been an assistant at an agency, and so they really are experienced. Yeah. Just because it's so much coming at once that you you need to hit the ground running. Yeah. We also learned, Sarah, that your executives are your partners. This was, I would say, a hard-won lesson. I mean, Mm. we learned this the hard way. Wouldn't you agree? I would. This was our greenness. Yes. I think very early on— We've sort of felt like we had to work around the executives or put up a barrier between us and the executives when, in fact, we are a team. We are in this together. Like, I mean, the thing that we love about TV is that it's collaborative. And we love collaborating with all the people that we're working on the pilot with. And we sort of didn't include the executives in that circle. And now we very emphatically do include them. Yes. And I really do think that is a... Partly, I think we were just so... I think I've said this before. We were so intimidated by executives that we didn't know how... And insecure. We didn't know how to bring them into our circle. And now that we're just... More experienced, we know people, we feel much more of a camaraderie and like, you know, they're our pals. Yeah. So that's nice. (laughs) We learned this, Sarah. This is very important. This is something that I think applies to everyone. This is one that's not just about making a pilot, but it's just universal. Yeah. If something is inevitable, don't fight it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Don't resist the unresistable. (laughs) If that's a word. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Yes. But often it's clear and we resist anyway. Yeah. We came to this because there was a situation early in our careers when the network had a strong desire to cast someone. Yeah. We resisted that choice to the detriment of our project and to the detriment of our relationships um, at the network at the time. And then it ended up happening anyway. Yeah. And guess what? 
No, we were wrong. The worst part about it is we were totally wrong. Yes, they were right. Yeah. If we had just agreed to that, which was clearly going to be inevitable, mm-hmm. everything would have been so much smoother in that situation. Yeah. So it's a lesson learned. Yeah, for sure. That one smarts. And then something else we learned is find out the quirks of your network in advance. Every network has its own identity. Um, We know, for instance, ABC is going to care a lot about hair and makeup. And wardrobe. And wardrobe. So it's good to be aware of that and know it's important. But again, this would apply to anything in life, especially like business. I mean, if you're going to make a pitch to a company about why they should hire your firm for advertising or whatever, you want to know about that company and what they care about in their little quirks. Yes. Or a job interview. It's all about doing the research in advance. Yes. And then this is something we learned that seems like a small thing, Mm. but it's really not. When your studio and network executives come to set, make sure they have chairbacks. Do you want to explain what a chairback is, first of all? Okay, so on set, there are always at Video Village, which is where the monitors are that show what's being shot. That's surrounded by director's chairs, which is where everyone sits. The director obviously sits there, but so do the producers and the writers and the actors. Sometimes sit there, usually they kind of have their own spot so they can prepare. And... It makes such a difference. And this, again, goes to your executives are your partners. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes such a difference when people come to set and they see a chair with their name on it that says, like, this is your set, too. Yeah, they feel welcome. Yeah. Yeah, and I like having a chair with my name on it when I get to a set. Me, too. (laughs) Okay, very important, Sarah. And, again, this applies to everybody. Remember everything is a selling tool. Yes. Whatever you're presenting. So, for us, that's whether they be photographs, again, of wardrobe, whether it's a document that we'll have to do later on that says, here's what's going to happen season one. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, it's a selling tool. If it's lunch with somebody where you're talking about the show, sell your heart out. It's like everything is a selling tool. Use your opportunities to sell to their best advantage. And then we were talking about how networks are can have a very high bar with hair, makeup, and wardrobe. Yeah. Um, and the approval process for that is, like, the craziest thing anyone has ever seen. So one of our lessons is assign someone whose only job is organizing and expediting hair, makeup, and wardrobe approvals. Yes. That's very pilot-specific. But yes. if you're making a pilot, key. Do that. Yes. Um, And then, Sarah, this one's important. Things usually turn out for the best. Decisions made in panic are usually the ones you regret. So true. There's so much pressure when you're making a pilot that it's very tempting to just be reactive, panic, and make decisions because there are 20 people who want you to. And that's usually when you look back and think, okay, I should have taken a beat. I should have thought that through. You know, those 10 minutes exist. It's okay to take those 10 minutes because it's a big commitment, whether it's cutting a scene or hiring someone, to just take a breath. Make sure you're not doing something you're not going to regret. Yeah, you're better at not panicking than I am. I I panic quite easily. <laughs> uh, but I will say, again, true for wherever you are in life. I mean, so panicking true. is never good. Yeah, <laughs> Can't think of any time when panicking makes, th- makes things better. <laughs> and finally, Sarah, our favorite. And ultimately, the most important. Yes. 
<laughs> Always ride in a horse because at some point you're going to wish you had a cowboy. <laughs> we find when you're on set and everyone's gotten exhausted and run down and there's just stressed and the stakes are so high, to have a nice cowboy around being friendly um, is very helpful. Yes. And we discovered this on like maybe the first, first selection. selection. Yes. Yeah, the in Vancouver. First, yeah. Um, the first selection pilot, we just, this nice cowboy showed up with a horse, and it was the best day. Yeah, it made everybody feel better. So now we always ride in horses. We do it in an organic way. It makes sense, but it's always good. Always good to have a horse. Up next, a listener question about reboots. Is Hollywood running out of ideas? But first, an ad break. And now it is time for a listener question. Yes, B from our Facebook group writes, I was reading somewhere yesterday that some networks are rebooting shows that have been done in the past. What is it with this trend? Are the folks out there in Hollywood running out of new ideas? Sarah, this is a good question. It seems like it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly why um, this is so popular right now. I assume it's because network TV is having a harder time finding a huge audience. So they're sort mm -hmm. of hearkening back to a time when they did have a huge audience, thinking, well, hey, if 15 million right. people watch this show in 85, maybe they'll watch it now in 2018. People loved Magnum P.I. Yes. Let's Which do it again. Which they did. Yes. People loved Cagney and Lacey. I mean, we certainly did. We wanted to do Cagney and Lacey yes. at one point. CBS is redoing Cagney and Lacey, and um, that is exciting. Yeah. I just want to say the bar is going to be high there. Very high. Very <laughs> They better high. really bring it home. <laughs> and it's work. This is work, by the way. I mean, Hawaii Five-0, yeah. they brought back years ago, and it's been successful ever since. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people do like a nostalgic show. And sometimes they didn't see the past show, obviously, but they like, they've heard of it. And yeah. that brings an interest. And I think on like a corporate level, corporations want to spend money on things that are proven. Yes. You know, proof all of, of these concept. things. Yes, proof of concept. Exactly. But it's also like having an IP mm. is comforting. Intellectual property. Yes. Whether it's from an old TV show, whether it's from a book, everybody likes to sort of... A movie. A movie, yes, Something exactly. Turn into a TV show. Sequels, etc. Just knowing that, like, there's history there. Yeah. Whatever the IP is. And sometimes they reimagine it, like Magnum P.I., I believe a woman is going to be the central character. Which should be very cool. Which was fun. Uh, but sometimes, by the way, it's not even a reboot. It's just bringing the show back. Like yes. Will and Grace is just brought back with the same cast, the same characters. Roseanne. Roseanne is going to premiere soon. Um, they're bringing back Murphy Brown, I believe, with Candace yes, Bergen. I'm excited for that one. You know, so it's interesting. It's, it'll be interesting five years from now if this trend has sort of played itself out or if it's still going strong. From a creative standpoint, it is a bit frustrating mm. because, you know, one of our jobs is to sit around and think yeah. of new ideas. And, like, because the impulse is to just do things that have already been done you know, a lot of really good creative new things just don't happen. Yeah. It, th people can be more resistant to new ideas because they don't feel as safe. Yeah. Um, but, oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> no one said it was going to be easy. Yeah, that's where we are right now. <laughs> All we know is we're really excited to see Cagney and Lacey, and they better do it justice. 
Up next, our Hollywood hack, but first a quick break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack, and this week it is I Pick Theaters. Oh, the most fun theaters to go to ever. Marsha Clark gave me a gift certificate to IPIC for my birthday, and oh, it's like life-changing. Explain what it is. Okay, so IPIC theaters, each theater is very small, and the tickets are quite expensive, but you can order delicious food. Drinks. Have, yes, they have gluten-free and sugar-free things on the menu. I have sussed that out. <laughs> you can get drinks. I had a nice vodka while I was watching uh, Pitch Perfect 3. (laughs) Um, Popcorn, everything you possibly wanted a movie, but it's also in like these wonderful recliners with a blanket and they have a waiter who brings you food and drinks. And there's like this great lobby where you can hang out before or after. It's like a luxury movie experience. Yeah. Adam and I went for our anniversary one year. We saw The Great Gatsby, which I must say I was disappointed in. But I didn't matter because exactly. I was just so happy being at the IPIC <laughs> theater. It was like, it really is like you treating yourself. Yes. It's a huge treat. Um, it actually made me want to go out on a date. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's how amazing the IPIC theater is. Wow, because you never want to go on a date. Never. Hmm. <laughs> I'm intrigued. All right, everybody, check out IPIC theaters and let us know if you think they're as fabulous as we do. Sarah, it's time for our celebrity sighting, or should I say, our we think it was a celebrity sighting, not 100% sure. Right. But we're fairly sure because how many people are, like, gorgeous and tall with platinum blonde hair and get into a really nice car in Beverly Hills? Well, probably a lot. (laughs) But we think... We think we saw Gwen Stefani. That's right. She was getting into a car driving herself. Yeah. But people in L.A. do that. No matter how famous they are, they drive themselves usually. Um, Outside of a restaurant in Beverly Hills, we were driving through. And it's one of those things where, like, you're driving. You can't, like, you know, stop and gawk. Yes. I mean, it really looked like her. It, you know what? It's the vibration. Yeah. She put off the vi- the star vibration. All right. So we're going to say we saw Gwen Stefani. We saw Gwen Stefani in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Sarah, before we go, I want to mention that I was on a podcast um, that I would love everyone to check out. It's called When Megan Met Harry, and it's all about... Megan and Harry's upcoming wedding. Which I'm obsessed with. It's so fun, this podcast. Like, I didn't even care about the royal wedding until I started listening to the podcast, Uh and now I'm completely obsessed with it. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I made a guest appearance on episode seven. So if anyone wants to hear my thoughts on Megan and Harry, do listen. (laughs) And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And please do give us a review in Apple Podcasts. Thank you to our producer, Jennifer Lai. Also, thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at sfane, and Liz is at LizCraft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fane. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Yeah!